Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew, and on this episode, I am delighted to be joined by Chris Pollock, who is the man behind Not Too Grand. Welcome to Rearview, Chris. I'd like to start off by asking, what is Not Too Grand? Ah, that's a, a big question. Um, not Too Grand is, on, on, a, on, a face, on face value, it's a website... Um, purely dedicated to cars under £2,000. But the the angle I've always put on it is just because you have that, that that modest budget doesn't mean you've got to buy something small and dull and, and unimaginative. It's it's about it, it, it started it started out with the with the view of sort of pushing the boundaries of what that budget could get. Some of the cars that we put on there, like the Mazda RX-8 or the Audi A8 or things like that, you know, <laughs> not not necessarily sensible cars, but, <laughs> but to, to push your to push your budget. You know, you don't have to you don't have to buy a Ford Fiesta, you don't have to buy a Nissan Micra. You can you can be a bit creative and, and have fun. There's there's a lot of um, it's from my point of view, it's infuriating because there's so much stuff out there for two thousand pounds. What people think you've got to spend ridiculous amounts and and saddle yourself up to finance, and I've never been of that mindset. Mm. So that's that's what it started life as, and then it's sort of grown into a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, it's got it's got a blog side of it where I sort of wax lyrical about things that annoy me, or it's got my um, my car history on there, which which people seem to uh, enjoy laughing at, because um, I've had I've had over over a hundred and twenty hundred and thirty cars, and I think two of them have been good. So. <laughs> You know, and and the stories there are all completely one hundred percent true as well. So, you know, yes, I had a homeless man living in my Astra GTE. Um, you know, yes, I had my Vauxhall Nova stolen, and it took me three months to realise it's it's all it's all real. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll dive further into all that uh, later on as we go on. But I, I want to start as I normally do, which is you've obviously got this deep love interest obsession possibly unhealthy obsession in cars and i'm just curious when did, when did that start do you know when that started was it so early that you have to be told by relatives or do you remember when it when it began i yeah definitely the uh, the the relatives thing is it's always been there as as long as i've had memories um, or should I say, you know, I've always had memories. Um, as, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as, as long as I've had the ability, the ability to recount memories, cars have always been there. It's, it's, I've just always been drawn to them. And it's, it's funny because when I was growing up, everyone's like, oh, your dad must be into cars. And, and yes, he is. But when I was younger, he was, he was doing exactly what, what I was doing a few years ago with, with my kids, you know, cars, cars weren't a priority. Mm. So it was just buy something to go shopping in and, and, and just be a car. Uh, so when I was growing up, m- my dad had a, you know, he had a Capri was, was one of my youngest memories or earliest memories. Um, but he was never, he, he was never your archetypal car guy. Mm. So it's, it's not that, but I, I don't know. It's, you know, I, I had, a, I had a million toy cars when I was a kid and if there were cars on telly, I just, I just naturally gravitated to, towards them. And it's, it's just sort of grown from there much to the, uh, much to the annoyance of my parents when I was younger, because I wouldn't shut up about them. <laughs> but, um, I, I get the last laugh now cause I make a moderate to low living out of talking about cars. So <laughs> yeah, you see, it wasn't wasted time, mum. <laughs> yeah. So in your face, mum and dad. <laughs> 
so you're going through when you're going through school were you did you do anything in school that you thought oh hang on maybe i can do something with cars if i follow this through or or was it just uh scribbling in the back of your um exercise book in the corner of the the class while things were going on uh, and that sort of thing there was some um, I, I had i had sort of my my group of friends and you know we were all into cars and a friend of mine um a friend of mine paul had a had a mini and he was restoring that so so we did that and i, I always enjoyed the sort of design tech stuff and the hands-on things but I never wanted to be a mechanic uh, or, or anything like that. I just knew I wanted to work with cars. And then to completely book the trend, when I left school at sixteen, I got a uh, I got an apprenticeship as a uh, as a land surveyor. Mm-hmm. It's an obvious link into cars, that yes. Yeah, I didn't want to be a land surveyor. It was just the apprenticeship that paid the most money. <laughs> so, so and it was around the corner, so I went for that one. And there's the possibility of having to go in a four by four. Well, indeed. Although having said that, my boss. Um, my boss had a uh, had a brand new at the time uh, Rover eight hundred Vitesse Sport. So poor, poor maybe man. there's uh, poor man. maybe there's some uh, responsibility on his part there, given given what's on my uh, well not on my drive. They're all dotted around the country at the minute, but, <laughs> but you know the uh, the log books that have got my name on them at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it's I always knew I wanted to work with cars. I just never knew what I did. I did Saturday jobs when I was fourteen, working in scrapyards. I nearly got killed by a Saab ninety nine, nearly falling on me. Um, that was uh, the days before health and safety. Um, sh- showing my age now. Um, yeah, <laughs> the days you know, of the government, uh, the government yeah. warning films. <laughs> yeah, there was just a really loud smash, and I looked behind me, and the Saab that was on top of two cars was now on the floor. And uh, I remember at the time, I just looked at it and went, huh. And it was probably about 10 years later where I was like, that could have killed me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> didn't register at the time no it was it, it was the 90s it was a simpler time <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> how long was it before you started properly working um i was i i did the apprenticeship which didn't didn't work out for various reasons and i then worked for my dad for a bit he was a uh, at the time he was a haulier he had his own he had his own truck with a crane on it and he sort of did site stuff and shipping containers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I helped him. And then when I was about 18, I, um, and, and again, this is a, this is very much a, a, a sign of the times. Uh, I, I wrote, you know, 40, 50 CVs uh, or printed off 40, 50 CVs. And I just sent them out blindly to, uh, to car dealerships in, in the area that, that I lived up in Manchester in Oldham. And one of them came back, which was Ford. And, and I got a job there. Um, it was it was on the clean side. It was in the, the admin side. Um, they, they didn't really have a job for me, but they just you know they just liked uh, like the cut of my jib, as it were. And and I was just a sort of admin dealership dog's body. But it was great, you know. At a young age, I was I was on the sales floor. I was talking to customers. Just you know, now they have people in that role. They have meter greeters in, in dealerships, and I was I was doing that way before it was a thing. Mm. Um, and I was I was doing admin and, and invoicing, which is which is dull, but it's, it was it was still interesting for me. It was it was like I was part of the game then. I was I was in. Yeah, yeah, and I loved it. I absolutely loved well, it. Th- but this um, is something that um, I think when 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 we watch Top Gear or uh, stuff on YouTube and things like that, we forget that. Um, this, we were talking about this just before we hit record, but the the, the car industry is a business. 
it's it's about mm. business that just happens to be about cars. So we like the end product often, more often than not. But there's all the bits that have to happen to enable us to like the end product. <laughs> so yeah. so I I personally find it fascinating, uh, which is you know the whole reason for this uh, this podcast is to explore what goes on to make up the the you know the motoring as I glibly put it at the start the motoring universe because there are so many diverse things that I think people don't appreciate what it is and and it gives us a better idea I think of the um struggles probably is the is the word that manufacturers do actually have I mean we see the sales go up and up and up and all this sort of stuff and this company's made this gazillion billion profit and that sort of thing so you think oh it's, it, this is easy and all that and as as some newer manufacturers into the market are learning it's not as easy as it perhaps appears from the outside no no there's there's a lot that goes on it's uh, ever since i've been in it i i find it all it all fascinating it's not all about the paint and the panels it's i like the operation of it mm. it's it's I like I like uh, I like acquiring that knowledge. Yeah. It's um, it's just one of those really boring things that interests me. <laughs> so, how long were you uh, at Ford and in that dealership? And and did you move within the dealership? Um, I didn't. I was I was at Ford for for a couple of years, and then um, my uh, very long story made short. But my my mum and and then stepfather moved to Bristol. Um, and I, they said, you know, why don't you come down for a couple of weeks? So I did, and, and a couple of weeks turned into, uh, into into the rest of my life. So I'm in Bristol now. <laughs> um, but uh, when I came down here, I got a job in a. Uh, I worked in a Subaru garage briefly, so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of wob 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 and a lot of five 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 stickers sold. Um, Gold spray paint. <laughs> lot of that. Lot of that. A lot of a lot of confused looking young men coming in with impressors that didn't work properly anymore. But have you been driving it too hard? No. <laughs> so this isn't covered under warranty. Why? <laughs> because your name is not Colin McRae. <laughs> yeah. You can't jump this. It's a road car. <laughs> um, and then, then I worked for uh, the, 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 I went for a complete um, brand brand shift, if you will, and uh, and then worked for a Rover garage. Um, and I worked for them at the time that they went bump. So this is a long term torture you've put yourself under then yeah oh yeah, yeah this is this isn't just a recent you know wobble <laughs> no no i was I, yeah i uh i subjected myself to it for a number of years well but, i mean talk, okay i'm being i'm being a bit glib there um but that must but, that must have been quite a a time to be there when it when it all went completely wahoony shaped it it was it really was um, the garage was a family uh, a family run garage, um, but luckily for them they had a couple of other franchises they had uh, they had Proton the less said about that the better, and they also had Skoda which at the time and still is doing very very well, mm. um, so when Rover went bump it was a concern but it was it was a case of it's all right we've got Rover we've got Proton we'll we'll still make money. Mm. Um, it was it was the customers that were difficult because they, bless them, they'd come in with their, eight you know their six month old, their eighteen month old, seventy five, forty five, whatever MGZS, whatever, they'd come in and it's like something's gone wrong with it, it doesn't work anymore, can you fix it? And we're stood there going, well yes we can fix it, but you have to pay for it, and it's like well it's covered under warranty, it's like well it's not because Rover doesn't exist, yeah, 
but you exist. It's like, yes, you have to understand how a dealership works. We're not Rover. We're, we are an agent of Rover. They don't exist. So. I think that's another another important point that people don't appreciate or they, they don't consider to think about whether they're bothered to or not, is that you may see Ford in your local town or Vauxhall or whoever, but that isn't Ford. That is the representation of yeah, it's, and it's, they are a separate entity. They they are okay. They are um, abiding by certain rules as far as branding goes and how things are laid out and the, the um, that sort of stuff. But effectively, they're a separate thing. So you know, when it, it it's that you know, it's a manufacturer's warranty, not a dealership warranty, and things like that. Yeah, like I say, it's it's, it's like a pub or, or it's like a it's like a a pizza chain. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a franchise. It's yeah. it's not. You know, that's not Ford that owned that building. It's not, in our case, it wasn't Rover that owned that building. And um, But people really struggled with that because we were still there. And it was, in some cases, it was quite it was quite heartbreaking because you'd have people that had used, used the guide for years and then this brand that they that they loved. And, you know, I'm I'm one of them still. There, there are people that are very passionate about Rovers mm-hmm. and, and MGs and British cars. And, and they were really heartbroken that they didn't have the backing anymore. And... Uh, and then they were really upset when they realised how much it actually costs to keep these things on the road. Yeah. But but that's 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 the joys of Longbridge build quality. But <laughs> the garage did its best. You know, they, they they did the best incentives they possibly could. They did a lot of stuff that was, um, uh, that was just done at, at cost. Mm. So just just covering just covering the time and, and you know no profit there. Um, and and they rode through it. But but I left. Um, before it all sort of fizzled out um to uh, to do to do journalism well what made you want to take that step well academically um i've i've really not got anything to show I'm, I've, I've got a couple of gcses to my name and that's about it i i'm not i'm not nor have ever have been good in an academic setting um, but i always like car magazines mm-hmm. when i was at school you know one magazine that I absolutely adored was Revs, which came out in the, in the mid nineties. Um, and I, I love that magazine and that really, really inspired me. And I wanted to work on magazines. I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I always loved writing. Um, but all I ever got was a, was an English GCSE, mm. uh, you know, barely, barely passed it. Um, and then later in, later in life, when I was at the, the, the Skoda Rover garage, my, my then fiance said, uh, why don't you go and do work experience? And I was in my early twenties now. I'm too old for that. She's like, no, give it a go. So I did, and I did work experience with uh, Redline magazine in Bath, mm-hmm. um, which was all you know, big spoilers and split rims, and you know, <laughs> check out man, that base is sick on your Nissan Micra. There was a, there was a lot of that. Um, and then I did uh, then I did two weeks on classic Ford, um, and it, it turned out I could string a sentence together. Um, and Classic Ford gave me paid freelance work, and that sort of grew and grew. And then I got Retro Ford, and I was staff on there, and and it sort of progressed from there. Really, I, I sort of fell into it. Really, well, that's that's awesome. That is because um, uh, I, going back to the academic side of things, I I don't I think that often we're being taught how to pass an exam, absolutely, and that yeah. doesn't always allow creativity to uh, to come out because you you're having to follow a certain set of guidelines and rules that perhaps don't allow that so so that, that's great that um you you still 
uh, were able to follow up on on something that really interested you. So, so we've got Revs um, has inspired you. You were um, you were fast forward. Was it what was the what was the others? Oh, steady there. That's the rival. Sorry, I did. I did classic, classic forward. forward. Sorry. <clears throat> so you're throwing all these magazines at me. I'm not making notes because I'm I'm not a journalist. <laughs> How long were you doing that for? I did um, I did retro Ford for uh, all told about five years. Um, I did I did leave briefly, but then I came back after a few months, mm-hmm. and then I ended up doing performance Ford as well. Um, but that was in Kent and. And in that time, uh, I, I split up from my, she was my wife, then ex-wife at that point. Um, and I was in Kent and I've got a daughter and she was in Bristol and the traveling was just getting too much and, and the money wasn't going up either. So so as much as I loved it, I left um, to move back to Bristol, which is what I did. And then I did some freelance bits and I, I ended up back in a trade for 10 minutes selling cars, which was which was horrid. Um, and then I got um, then I got a job on a, on a Morgan magazine. Mm-hmm. Which was great, and then that company, that company, bought Performance Ford because apparently I cannot escape Ford, no matter what I do. <laughs> so, oh, oh, you're Chris, you're the Ford guys. No, I'm not. It just they just keep happening to me. Not intentionally. <laughs> I've not owned a Ford for years. <laughs> they, they, they just, they just keep appearing. <laughs> you just write about them. You get people that, that live in fear of going, stepping on a dark alley and being mugged. I live in fear of stepping on a dark alley and there being a Ford Orion there or something. <laughs> Can't escape the buggers. No, but that, but that is that is actually an interesting point that you know that just in that short time we've mentioned at least three Ford magazines, and it's how um, brands do create such a loyalty and such a fan base you know because because the ford is the car for the you know it's cars for people it's not yes yeah, yeah it's not exclusives uh, okay i mean the, we could talk about the gts but you know essentially it's it's cars for every man it's for you know it's mass production of a lot of cars for most of the population and yet those cars have uh the people who like them really like them you know there's there is there is a monstrous passion for them and and that's that's really fascinating and strange because to a lot of people a car is just a tool isn't it as you were saying before about you you know with your dad it was like no i need the car because i've got to hold the kids and i need to get to places and get back from places and so it's how such an item can uh create this um can be a tool yet still create such a, a passionate interest in it mm. that i find um quite fascinating and like i say it's, it, it is a little bit odd as well it is but i think i think certainly with ford they've it's they certainly never engineered it this way but i think they've just got such um such a perfect balance of of the whole you know, it's it's the everyman thing. It's the workers' car. It's and that's been the case from the start. From from you know Henry Ford rattling them off with the with the Model T. It's it's been the car for for the people. Um, and then as it as it got on, they they set the scene and they they set the tone for the 
here's your normal car and here's your hot one. Mm. You know, with your with your with your XRs and, and so on and so forth. They were they were the, the to me they were the true true pioneers in that because they took something and then gave you another version of it, and you didn't look at it and go, oh that's a bit better. People just looked at it and, and they looked at it like it was a Ferrari. Mm. It was, yet in in many cases they'd have that same car on their driveway, but it'd just be the one point three version, and it wouldn't have the alloys, and it wouldn't have the it wouldn't have the the, the arches or the spoilers or the badges. Um, and Ford engineered that so well, and then obviously I would imagine there was a, a few a few cases of money and a few handshakes, but they they ingrained themselves into pop culture so well with with TV and, and film and, yeah. and so on and so forth. They're, they're, they're just always there. And, uh, you know, I think Vauxhall is a very close second in terms of passion. Mm. Well, I, I think that Fiesta advert that was out, uh, was it the back end of last year or early this year, where it showed the, the, the lady driving along and it was all the different Fiestas. And I think yes. that really, really hammered that message home that, you know, they've been here forever type thing yeah They've... everybody knows somebody who's had yeah. one or who's got yeah. one or or you've been in one or, you know it it's you know some of the first cars that i had were, were were ford capris my my second and third car were ford capris and i bought them when i was 15 16 and i didn't buy them because i liked ford capris i bought them because my dad had them mm. it was that that was the link yeah yeah and and i think that's what ford does very well there's there's a there's a sort of it's a bit, it's a bit cheesy to say, but there is, there is a heritage there almost for everybody. Yeah, it's a, lo- it's a loyalty thing. Yeah, I think that and, they, they do. And I think that just, it just breeds such a passion. Yeah, I mean, I think they do manage to to keep that going so well. I mean, even with the blip in the late nineties mm. um, that they had before the Focus came out, and seemed to, they, you know, with the Focus, they realised that they had made mistakes previously and. You know, people weren't just going to accept any old thing mm. that came off a production line. Um, but that's a that's a hell of a way to learn a lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know, what I mean, that's that's the it, other thing with the car business. It's not cheap to learn these lessons. No. <laughs> so, so no, on the it, one it hand, I, I'll, I'll happily rail against manufacturers for not taking risks. Yet, when they do and they get it wrong, I'll equally happily pile in because you know well, social media. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, right. So you was the um, the journalism was that full time then? Yes. So that was yeah. full time. Re- Retro Ford was my first full time uh, full time writing position. I was I was features editor. I started that. Mm-hmm. So what does uh, help educate me here? Because I've never been in a magazine or, or offices or anything. What does a features editor do? It was my job to basically find cars and and find features and and at the same time create um you know interesting angles for features or you know whether that be you know man in his car this is this is this is jeff and he's restored his anglia or whether it be um you know we did one with a with a we borrowed a out on cortina and we we looked at the you know the home uh porting and polishing it with a dremel does it actually make any difference so we did all that and it was it was it's all it's it's going to sound so media darling but it's all the creative stuff <laughs> no a magazine doesn't just happen if it does just happen it fails yeah. you have to you have to create you have to think you have to engage and it was it was it was that it was quite for a first job on a magazine it was 
it was quite deep end because normally I was going to say, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you normally start with here? Write us some articles, please. See exactly. how they fit in. Oh right, I get an understanding for this, and then over time you get up to do that step in maybe while they're on holiday. Oh no, yeah. no, it was right in you go. Make it work, yeah. please. No you, pressure. Um, <laughs> you normally start as as you say as a staff writer is the, is the position, and and they say you know here's a car, here's a man, phone him up, find out about it, write me a story. Um, whereas, whereas I didn't do that, but that may have that may have something to do with the way I got the job, which was which was unorthodox because there was um, there was a, a a car forum um, still going, I believe, called Old School Ford, which which I was on at the time because I had a what did I have? I had a Cortina at the time, and someone was selling a Mark II Escort van in the in the classified section, and I swear to God, this is all true. Um, <laughs> It's the way you have to keep saying. You feel you because have to keep it's, saying it's so this. Unbelievable. This, 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 this is what got me my job. Um, this is what got me into journalism. Um, yeah, he was selling this this escort van, and Ben Morley, who was the editor of uh, Retro Ford at the time, said to said to the bloke jokingly because he knew him, said, "You know, I'll 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 buy your van off you for." You know, for three week for 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 three sunny Tuesdays a year and a packet of hobnobs, and then I went in after him and said, "I see your three sunny Tuesdays a year and a packet of hobnobs, and I raise you a jar full of the tears of squirrels, and a soiled mattress on the side of the A34." And it just progressed from there into this ridiculously surreal one-upmanship of 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 offers for this escort van, and he liked it and called me in. <laughs> You know, no CV, no interview, just, I like that, called me in, did three days, here's a job. That's awesome. It, you know, you, you, people don't get offered jobs like that anymore. No, no. <laughs> or, or that way, I should no. say. <laughs> After the Ford mag, what, what did you move on to? The, the Morgan one was, was the, mm-hmm. the next magazine I did. Um, I did about three and a half years on that. Um, I, was, I was an assistant editor, and that, that was brilliant. Um, just because Morgan are absolutely bonkers. Well, yeah, I would imagine that you owned a pair of goggles very quickly. Oh uh, yeah, the first the first car I road tested was a three wheeler. <laughs> Here's a baptism. You know, Off you go. <laughs> yeah, which was which was terrifying and brilliant all at the same time. Brand new, um, um, no no miles on it, and I had to take it to the centre of Worcester um, for a photo shoot, and just just people staring and. Um, and as a, as a fairly ridiculous looking chap, I'm used to people staring anyway, so I was I was all right with that. But just, yeah, just bonkers. Just I I, I love that company. I, I didn't know anything about them beforehand. Um, and when I, when I got offered the job, I basically spent a month just reading everything I possibly could and watching everything I could. Um, and yeah, I, I just love you. You walk around that factory, bless them, and you wonder how they build cars. <laughs> it's. So their their EV one will be quite a challenge then. Yeah, God, how somebody hasn't been electrocuted yet is beyond me. <laughs> when they were developing that, I was I was still on the magazine, and every time you go to the factory, you're sort of waiting for the lights to dim a little bit, just just for a second. It's like there goes John. <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's put the wires on the wrong way around. He forgot to wear his rubber wellies. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's just such an utterly charming company. It, they're they're just brilliant. Mm. And and through it all, through through the you know, they still have tea bells. There's a tea bell that goes off in the morning, a tea bell that goes off in the afternoon, and 
when it rings at like 10 o'clock in the morning, the whole factory shakes because that's all the tools hitting the floor at the same time. <laughs> it's just stop tea. But is that, it's it, so that's, that's it's so part of Morgan, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah, it's... They are steeped with tradition and I think that just creates the the atmosphere and the yeah, you, you know you it, the, the ethos that... is ingrained in everybody and everything they do down to how we stop for a cup of tea yeah and that's you, awesome. you get the impression that they have modern things there like electricity begrudgingly <laughs> they're you know, quietly it, in a little it, room to one side yeah it's it, it's just brilliant and and the stuff that they knock out i, I I won't have anyone say anything bad about the build quality of a Morgan because, frankly, I think it's very good, especially when you consider these are hand-built two-order cars. Mm. Um, that's not to say I've not seen the odd anomaly. but Yeah, you know, I these, mean, you can't, you can't compare them against a factory that's got um, a lot of robots helping out where, they get, where their tolerance is, you know, one, mil, one or two mil. Yeah, every car is different. No car is. Yeah, and, that, and that's part of, and everybody knows that. That is part of what you're buying. Mm. If, if you're it's, buying, it's order, just a, so. it's just a one. I think they're a wonderful company, and and you know, best of luck to them. Keep go, keeping going in the future, which I think they will. I think that that EV V that EV three um, model. I think that's that's brilliant. It looks like something out of War of the Worlds to me. It's proper fifties steampunk. Yeah, it looks sci-fi. It looks gorgeous. It's got a it's just amazing. mix, hasn't it? Um, yeah. of, of... Well, they're just they're just a great car, and they care. And I think there's a lot of car companies these days that don't. Hmm. You know, going back to what you were saying before, it, it it's a numbers game. And and yes, for Morgan, it's a numbers game. They have to sell a product at the end of it, but they still care. Well, I think they're small enough to be able to care and be and be visible in caring. I think if you you go to individuals of the bigger companies, they all care, or you yeah. know, majority of these people care. But it, it gets uh, diluted so much when it becomes such a big, big giant corporate face that's across the globe. It's yeah, you've got to search to for the that, people, isn't it? Them. Whereas with Morgan, I bet the you know the the chairman of the board can walk out if you you happen to be walking past and go, really, you know, either really sorry to hear that or I hope you're enjoying your car, and then you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get that in most other companies. Yeah, it's exactly that. You know, I, I I've been there. They've got they've got a um, they've got all the workshops where they build cars, but they've also got one where they service and repair cars, and I've I've seen staff there visibly upset when a car's come in that's been crashed mm. and and they're looking at it and it's because they, they're looking at that car and they know that they've put 40 hours into the into into the doors and the body of it or you know or they've bolted it together and they're visibly upset about mm. it and i think you know it's 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 sad that, that that they have to go through that emotion but at the same time what a fantastic measure of a company that the staff are so passionate about what they're making that it, that it has that direct effect on them when they see a car in that state. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you wouldn't get that if you took your Mondeo down to, you know, down to the local dealership. You'd just get someone called Gary looking at it going, oh, it's going to cost you. Yeah, plus fat. Plus fat. <laughs> okay, so uh, if I remember this correctly then, after the Morgan, it's back to Ford. Um, it was the same time. Okay, so so Morgan and Ford. Morgan and I was became editor of Performance Ford, um, which was eye opening. There was a huge shift in the time that I was away from Ford magazines. I'm I'm waiting for I'm going to get lynched for this, but I'm I'm waiting for the entire Ford scene to just become one giant Gary. 
because when, when I started out, there were Sierras and Orions and Escorts and Fiestas, and now it's all Fiesta STs and it's all Focus STs. They've all got a Bluefin remap. They've all got OZ Superleggera or, or Bowler B10 wheels. They've all got Ibac springs, and they've all got an AirTech front intercooler. All of them. <laughs> well, it's easy for the insurers now. I think they're all just turning into... It's just going to be one massive Gary with 500 horsepower and and a bright... Some sort of bright vinyl wrap. Mm. And he'll just hide in the bushes at Santa Pod. I, I, th- I think that's that's the way the Ford scene's going. But that actually... Um, you, you bring up a, another interesting point, something that uh, I've been pondering lately, particularly with Alan's new purchase, is how do you continue to make the performance or the special model still special when you are selling them by the bucket load. Oh. Uh, and that's, you know, I mean, it's a nice problem to have if you're, say, Ford with the Fiesta ST, but how do, how do you keep that? How do you balance that out between, yes, you want people, everyday people, to be able to have accessibility to something special, yet still keep it being special? Yeah, it's it's not quite as um, it's not quite as clearly defined as it as it perhaps once was, is it? No, because uh, you know it used to be that there was just you know there was just the XR I model. It was there was just a GTI, but now we've got sort of a hot. Now we've got a mega hot. Now what what happens? You know, when when everybody decides that the RS and, and, and the R and the Type R are no longer good enough, what, what's going to be the name yeah, for that? And how many horsepower is going to go through those poor, poor tires? The lines have been blurred even further because we've we've now got the looks like hots as well. You've got your oh, yeah. ST lines, yeah, yeah. your AMG lines, your BMW M Sports, your Audi S lines, your uh, Lexus F Sport. You know, they look fast, but they're not. Mm. And and that blurs the line even more. Yeah. And I think I think that's not that new cars are my are my forte, but I think that's that's part of the problem with with keeping these things defined is the fact that as a market they're they're doing the opposite. The rather than rather than these performance models being aspirational, it's now it's now making the next best thing really accessible. Yeah, because by having the, uh, say, like the, the ST line, it's almost like saying, well, the normal car doesn't look decent, so we need yeah. to throw on uh, a bit of skirting, a nicer alloys, a yeah, particular Yeah, I, I find paint. it all very strange. And that, because that, it's sort of the argument uh, or the thing I'm trying to work out with SUVs, that people are buying more and more SUVs because they... Uh, a lot of people say, oh, well, I like the raised, raised height. But if we're all at that raised height, you then have to go higher again to be able to see over everything yeah, because we're all at the same height. It's like we were all in a car. So it's... it's. I'm not saying that uh, manufacturers sit, away, sit awake at night worrying about this sort of thing, but it it gets to a point where you start going, well, you're you're doing something that is going to cause you more harm in the longer term. But I think that's the problem. That I don't think they look in the longer term. It's it's about the numbers now, mm. and the way the way cars are perceived now. I don't think the longer term is is something that necessarily requires that much thought or concern because we, we I say we, but you know, as a nation, it's it's the norm now to to 
you know, three years, two or three years is the life cycle of a car. Mm. And and the reality is the manufacturer doesn't doesn't give a hoot what happens to that car after three years. You know, they, they don't care who has it. It's it's all about the new numbers. Yeah. It's about the new registrations. They're, they're not bothered about anything else. So they'll they'll just worry about it in three years and, and think of something new then, which which will which will just inevitably be a facsimile of what they've done before. But they'll badge it up. They'll badge it up new, and and people will buy it be because it's new and for no other reason. Yeah, yeah. No, there is a there is a a lot of it is disposable thought, isn't it? It's, it's like these yeah, these are disposable you know items. They can they can just disappear. Not my worry because I've had them for my three. Well, it's going up to four years now, isn't it? With the PCPs and people mm-hmm. needing to stretch that. And you, you it, it, I do get concerned about it. Um, but on the other hand, I, I'm more on your side of things. I'm looking at cars that are old and going, but I still want to drive that and that mm. and that, and I'd love to have a go in that. Before I can even get to the here's the new stuff, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got tons of metal I need to get through first, and I'm a completionist, so you know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like my car. My car outside is a is a 2003 530 BMW, and to me, that's that's cutting edge of modern because it's got parking sensors mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> you know, to me, that that that's great, and it does the job. Yeah. So why would I want to change that in three years? Not like. I mean, I won't have it in three years because I've got the attention span of a toddler. But, <laughs> and access you know, to me. And access to me, but yeah, but in principle, you know. Yes, the theory. <laughs> so uh, what? where did you move on to after or maybe even still during Morgan slash Ford? Um, I went freelance after that. Why did you decide to do that? Frankly, because I was falling out of love with the Ford magazine. Okay. Um, it was too much of a... I wasn't getting enough time to work on the Morgan one, which is the one I really loved. Mm. And um, the, the the world of publishing has has changed. Certainly magazines has changed drastically um, over the last 10 years. Um, you know, when I, when I started, you'd have three or four people dedicated to a magazine and then that got diluted and then it, it just got more and more diluted so then you'd be sharing a designer between three or four titles and and it just got worse and worse and, and budgets went down and down and now the model is or the largely accepted model is you'll have a magazine and it will have an editor who, who controls it and wrangles it all um but inevitably invariably they will be freelance and they're just given a pot of money every month, and it's a case of make the magazine happen. Um, and they freelance out or do as much of it as you know that they want, and, and it, they work out how much of the money they want for themselves, so on and so forth. Mm. And with the Ford magazine, with Performance Ford, and it was such a small company, um, I, I, there was just no budget. Um, I mean, I, I did I did two two issues of that magazine um, for free, effectively. I did it on zero budget. I went out and shot the cars. Um, and I wrote everything, and and apart from apart from one contributor who did all the tech stuff, um, from my side of it, there was there was no outlay, and it was it was just getting so stressful. Yeah. So I just walked away from it, um, just get my ducks back in a row, and um, and went freelance, and with the view to I'll do freelance, and then that will put me in a position of I won't need to find a job. I can let the job find me, which is which is what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rather than having to just take the first job that came along, I could I could shop about a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what sort of stuff were you doing as freelance? Was it um, web-based or was it magazine-based or mix? Did mostly web stuff. Did a bit of print stuff. Some some stuff for uh, uh, Performance Audi magazine, I think. Um, a lot of online stuff for people like Haynes. Uh, did some bits for Porsche Club. Did um, some new car reviews for... Uh, for a channel that, for reasons I won't go into, I refuse to name because it didn't end well. Um, basically, someone with very deep pockets playing at running a company and wasn't very good at it. Okay. So, so, but I got to drive some nice cars, which was nice, um, including the new Honda NSX, which was Ooh, quite staggering. I'm very jealous of you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, just various bits and bobs and various websites. This was stuff for some American outlets and. Uh, so Haynes, I still I still do bits for Haynes mm-hmm. uh, online. Um, so yeah, just a nice mix of stuff, and it gave me a chance to to sort of reset the clock. Okay, and and that sounds like it was um, a needed, but b it has that has worked for you. Yes, but, um, yeah. you know things things have, or you perceive them at least to have calmed down enough for you to yeah <laughs> operate as a human. <laughs> And not just be this ball of anxiety. <laughs> yes, yeah, managed, nice. managed to avoid that for the best part. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, at what point, amongst all this timeline, did not too grand occur to you? Stroke start. Not too grand actually started in about two thousand and eight. Okay. In in one 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 guys or another, Ooh, and I actually started decade. it. Yeah. Are you having uh, a party? Uh, yeah, it'll just it'll just be me, the missus, and the cats. Okay, because that's that's all we've got here. So we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll have a dance later on. Um, but yeah, I, I started it because it was a good way to um, it was a good way to to top up my writing, mm-hmm. if you will. It was a it was a good way to write in ways that I hadn't normally written and to sort of push myself a little bit. Um, one thing I've always said with 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 this job is, you've got to like cars by all means, but you've got to love writing, because you will sometimes end up writing about things that you don't want to write about, and you need something to pull you through that. And for me, it's it's that it's that love of putting words together. Mm. Um, and at the same time, I, I I would always advise people never ever stop learning. You know, I, I do the job now. I've done it for ten years. But I've still got, and take no shame in saying it, I've still got the dictionary app on my phone. And if I'm watching telly or if I'm reading and I hear a word that I've not not heard before or not used before, I will look that up and I will, I will write that down somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, you, know, you, you, you can't know every word. You can't know every way of saying everything. Um, and, and the more you learn, the better you become and the, you know, the more expressive and the more engaging your writing becomes. And... So that's why I started not too grand. It was it was my idea, um, so I had control over what I could write, mm. and and I could sort of push my abilities, and and that's what I did. And it it sort of floundered, not floundered, but it, it it sort of floated in the background, um, and and you know there were there were times when when it was when I was busy with it, and there were times where I'd, I'd ignore it for a year. Um, it was only it was only the last the last twelve months, pretty much. That I've really, really thrown myself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a, I've got a friend called Mike who does all the internet stuff, so he makes it all look great and, and, and gives it all the bells and whistles because that's 
that's still a bit above my pay grade. <laughs> but I've, uh, it's, 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 you know, he's like Neo in the Matrix. He, he just sees numbers and makes things happen. And, and I just look at it and go, that's a car. And uh, he, he just looks at me like, mm, yes, Chris, yes, it is. You just do the words. Um, but, you know, he makes it all look flash and we've, we've sort of optimized it for SEO. Still don't know what that is, but it's optimized um, and done all that and been pushing it on social and what have you. Because uh, long story short, I wasn't I wasn't very well a year ago and ended up in hospital for about a month for for for, for um, my, my, my head stopped working. So when I came out and I didn't have any work, I needed something to throw myself into mm-hmm. and not too grand was it. And it's <clears throat> despite the fact it's been there for about 10 years, it's the last year that it's it's just skyrocketed. Um, far more than I ever thought possible um, to the point where, you know, we're making a show now, which is which is obscene. Yeah, well, I'm going to stop you there because I want to go on to your car history and then in, mm. a, in an attempt to create tension and tease in the middle of this episode, we will pick this up after uh, because I, I really, I want to I wanna ask you many questions about of what course. you did and mm. the motivations and, and all this sort of stuff and and your feelings on and your reaction to how things have turned out, um, mm. but I want to I want to ask you about your your car history. Now you've mentioned something like 120 ish, ish. <laughs> there thereabouts. Uh, I think that's rivaling uh, Ian Seabrook for mm. guests on the show who have had um, what I would call a sensible number of cars in their life. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I Whilst, um, because this show can't go on for three or four days, <laughs> are there particular, well, the start of, what was your first, and then tell me some highlights throughout okay. all that, if you can, please. Just so people um, can get a flavour of the type of thing you look for. Well, that's the thing. I don't look for them. What I buy is what's cheap and what's, what's there. Yeah, but that's a criteria that you are looking for something that is that you have a specific criteria. Yeah, I just get excited and I see it and it's cheap, and then I make reasons in my mind as to why I need it. Of course you do. Um, it's so the first maths, one, isn't it? Yeah, it's that sort of first, thing. The first, the first, first car I ever had, I bought when I was fourteen, um, and it was a brown mm. Triumph Dolomite. Oh, I worked. Uh, I worked at a place, and the chief mechanic. It was a haulage company, and the chief mechanic had one in the shed that he kept wanting to go back to and do up, but never had the time. And I would find myself wandering around, and I go, "Oh, let's just have a look." God, this looks good. This would be ace. Imagine if you do a resto mod on one of those where you make the oily bits nice and and things like brakes, uh, that sort of stuff. But then keep the interior and keep the body shape and i just think they're fantastic i applaud that as a first choice that's a bit left field for a 14 year old though it was there okay it was there and it was it was 40 pounds wow so so i had to have it and then because because this was at a scrapyard that i worked at Mm -hmm. part-time uh let's say part-time that i worked at the weekends um and yeah, I bought this thing and then I, I'd like to drive it around the yard, completely ignoring the fact I had no idea how to drive. <laughs> so the, the, clutch, yeah, the clutch was an absolute mystery to me. Didn't know what that did. Um, I, 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 I graunched and grinded this thing into first gear and I was driving it around the yard and I panicked and floored it instead of hitting the brakes and drove it into a wall. 
Um, oh. oh, it get, it gets better. I drove it into a wall while there was a policeman there. Oh, okay. But you're on private um, land, right? I was on private land, yeah. Thankfully. Um, and I think he could... Well, I think everyone within a 10-mile radius could sense the fear within me. And he, he basically gave me a stern talking to. And and that was that. But that, that was my first foray into, into driving on my own. Ah, oh dear. You're now going to have... Uh, you're going to have the Triumph people hunt you down now. Uh, it, it, was, it was... I mean, it's not quite it a, an old Top Gear killing of old cars-esque. I mean, it's not deliberate... <laughs> No, I, I was deeply upset at the time. It, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't what I had planned. <laughs> Definitely not plan A. <laughs> no, I had dreams of getting that thing on the road and, and wooing all my friends. But when I went into school the, the weekend after buying it and told my mates I'd bought a car, um, because children are cruel, it was almost instantly named a doll. Ah, yes. So, well, the so that killed it. <laughs> yeah, that that killed that, that absolutely killed any any dreams. Um, <laughs> And just trying to think of of other highlights. Um, other highlight. I mean, I've had lots. I've had lots of cars. Um, my Zodiac. I had a I had a 1962 uh, Mark II Lowline Ford Zodiac. Um, three on the tree manual. And how old were you I, at this point? Um, well, I owned it twice. Oh, um, when I first okay. got it, I was twenty two. Well-known um, car for a 22-year-old, that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't on the road, though. I got it from I got it from my then-brother-in-law, and it needed a lot of work. It wasn't on the road. And, and a guy around the corner from me who had a Mark II Capri, um, he wanted it. And I ended up swapping him for the Mark II Capri, uh-huh. which seemed like a better proposition because at least the Mark II Capri worked. And it and it did. We, we put a fresh MLT on it, and that thing looked like it was homeless, but it just never broke down. It was brilliant. <laughs> absolutely love that car um and then years later i was presented with the, with the chance to buy the zodiac and it was on the road so i did and, and and i drove the socks off that thing i absolutely adored it i drove it rain or shine i drove it from bristol to kent on a regular basis it was mechanically it was absolutely tip top it just it just didn't quite look as good as it could it was a bit frilly in places but it, it was it wasn't a rock box mm. um but in the end, the MOT ran out on it, and it was parked on my mum's drive, and I didn't have a lot of money at the time, and I decided it was better to sell it to someone who could who could give it the life it deserved, yeah. rather than me have it just for the sake of being able to say I've got it while it sits and rots away. So I sold it, and I, I take absolutely no shame in saying I, I cried when I sold that car. It, it broke me. It was it was a part of me that I, that I sold. But it's it's in Wales now with uh, with a very Welsh man called Tony, and uh, and and he's he's restoring it. <clears throat> well, that's awesome that you've you pass it on to someone who's going to give it uh, the fresh life, though. Yeah, I, I think, think you have to take you have, you have to look at it that way. Don't look at it at the, your loss. Look at it the world's gain. Yeah, there are far too many. There's far too many cars out there on driveways, and they're they're, they're all owned again by somebody called Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and you knock on the door like, do you want to sell it? And it's like, no, I'm doing it up. It's like, you're not doing it up, pal. I've looked on Google Earth. It was there in 2007. <laughs> there's one thing that you're not doing. It's that car. Well, there's it's there's like a that. household not to, in a town not too far from me, and he's got two uh, classic Range Rovers that are rotting on the drive. Mm. And I go past every time and I think, oh, you should be selling them. 
just sell yeah, them on to somebody to do it up because it, you know you'll have some well probably quite a bit of cash in your pocket but at least those cars will be on the road yeah but the, these people are the worst kind of people because when they do come to sell it they could go oh, all right i'll sell you know the, the wife's been nagging them or, or the council have said you know you've got to do it you're an environmental hazard or, or something happens and they sell it and then they think it's worth 10 million quid excuse me 10 million quid yeah. um and by that point, the car's nothing more than a pile of rust, you know. So, so with the Zodiac, it was, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be that guy. Mm. So it was just, just, just sell it and let someone else fix it, you know. Let someone else who who owns more than two spanners do some work on it, and and that's what I've done. <laughs> and, and I have seen a picture of it since, and it is absolutely immaculate. That's awesome. It's it, it's not quite concourse because he's because he does drive it. Well, I'm glad he drives but, but it. Yeah, but it's 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 stunning. So I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, because he said this can't go on for five days. Another another <laughs> another highlight would be my my foray into owning an American car. Okay, which was I was selling cars briefly, which I, I was reasonably all right at, and I got my first paycheck with commission. So immediately went on eBay and bought a 1973 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. As one does. Um, as one does. Two-door, painted black with a roller. Um, <laughs> massive, yeah, massive slot mags on it. Um, just the biggest heap of crap you've ever seen. Um, 350 old rocket engine, which is a real unfortunate name of an engine considering it can only go eight miles an hour. Um, turbo, turbo 350 transmission, again, not the right name for it. Um <laughs> <laughs> no interior at all, just two seats. The dash was made out of crudely folded um, stainless steel. None of the gauges worked. Absolutely nothing worked on it. Only one brake worked. That, um, that was interesting in the wet. I drove it home in the wet, and it was terrifying. <laughs> um, it, it, and it was weird. It had no power at all, but it still had some torque, so all it did was spin the back wheels. <laughs> But, but that may have something to do with the tyres being 900 years old and, and being rock hard. Um, but they said General Grabber on them, so, you know, or, or something something along those lines in white lettering, so it didn't matter. Um, but, yeah, the wiring didn't work. Listening to this, this litany of um, uh, Just dreadfulness, uh, I presume you kept this car for ages then? I know. No, I drove it twice and it, it, it scared the... I drove it home and I put it back on eBay. <laughs> I, I took it, um, I drove it home and I, I took some bits off it and then put the same bits back on it because I didn't really know what I was achieving. <laughs> um, I tried to get the indicators working again because they didn't work um, and I couldn't get them to work. So instead, I just put a lot of Rain X on the screen and hope for the best. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't make the cooling system work for love, no money despite taking it all apart and cleaning it out and flushing it, it still spat and spluttered. And I had a, I had a good look around it. The, the headlights were held in with bathroom sealant. Well, that's, is that not the way to do it? I thought, I well, thought that it, was well, the maybe, way maybe it was, it. Maybe it was an automobile thing. I, I just don't know. <laughs> um, the, the front indicators were off a Beetle and were just crudely screwed to the, to the front bumper. Mm-hmm. Um, the rear indicators were truck marker lights, but it doesn't matter because none of them worked. Um, the, and then I, I took it to a car show. I took it to Retro Rides Gathering up at um, was it Prescott? It was Shelsley Walsh that year. No, it was Prescott. It was Prescott that year. I took it there, 
and I was at the show and, and I just decided to sell it there and then. So I just wrote in the windscreen that it was for sale and explained that it was the world's biggest pile of but it had an MLT. So, you know, give, give him a, give him a 900 quid back and he can have it. Um, which all jokes aside, it was worth that for the engine and transmission and the wheels, you know, it, just imagine take the engine if they apart. all work together, how much it would be just worth. A, what, what, a, what a dream that would have been. <laughs> It was, it was when we were at the show, a friend of mine, his, his little lad was sat in it, um, just waiting to catch tetanus, presumably, <laughs> and he was waggling the steering wheel, as, as kids do, and then another mate sort of called me over, and he's like, look at look at what look at what the boy's doing, and I'm watching him, and he's, he's giving the steering wheel a good old, good old sort of waggle from side to side, and I'm like, yeah, and he goes, look at your front wheels, and I looked at him, and they weren't doing anything. <laughs> So it turns out the one thing that worked really, really, really well on that car was the power steering pump because the splines on the steering column just they just weren't there. They were just smoothed down. Um, so being being rational, we uh, we shimmed it out with a with a with a cut up can of Pepsi and put the steering wheel back on so it had some sort of grip so it was interference fit. <laughs> and, and, and and nobody bought it, so I had to drive it home, which again was terrifying and then i parked it up and put it on ebay um now normally with my cars when i get rid of them there's only been an exception when i get rid of them they normally die that's it I, i'm normally the last person to own them but a guy called called mike bought the olds i'm still friends with him on facebook he's still got it and he drag races it and it's fast and he's not dead wow amazing he's not dead it's of all the cars i've ever had that is not the one I thought would would survive and improve. And he's not called Gary. And he's not called Gary. This, this is um, this is amazing on many many levels. Well, if it, if it was a Ford, if I had a Ford Gran Torino, it, I would have had to have sold it to someone called Gary. Yes, oh, that's fair enough. Although this is that, that's quite unfair because my dad's you know my dad's called Mark and he's got a Ford Thunderbird, so <laughs> I might have to get to change his name by deed poll to Gary, <laughs> just to make it easier for everyone. Yeah. I'm so going to get lynched when this goes out. <laughs> just, just the Gary Appreciation Society. Yes. Did you have? You know, I'm sure it was a picture of yours that you put on Twitter. Um, the Mitsubishi um, people carrier thing that was based on the Shogun. No, that was my friend who had. Ah, that. okay. Because you had. Because that picture yeah. was the picture of the yeah. Oldsmobile and that. Right. So I thought you had both those, but no, it's just you had the yeah the automobile. I mean, it yeah, it that, looked it was um, it looked, a bit delicate. Yes, that's it. That's right. It looked great in that photo. Mm, he he put all the um, he put all the grapes and stuff on the side because it was used in a in an independent film as a post apocalyptic military vehicle. Well, I think that's what they are, aren't they? Well, yes, yeah. that and that and Alan's old uh, Vaycross. Yes, yeah. Okay, so what else then? What else is a particular high stroke low light for you? <laughs> I had I had an escort track car that that never saw a track. Okay, that, that was a that was a good one. Built that for performance Ford. I bought it, basically this this thing was possessed and it hated, it was allergic to engines. Um, I bought it and it had a sixteen hundred in it and it had spat the cam belt off because it was it was all by a little old lady and she just never had it serviced she bought it new and never had it serviced oh, so the cam belt one day just went nope and fell off so so it bent the engine in half so then i stripped it out because because the shell was mint so i stripped it out put bucket seats in it put gas gold suspension on it uh wolf race alloys dunlop derezza tires 
yada, yada, yada. And then I put a two litre in it out, out of my daily driven Mondeo that was absolutely fine. As soon as I put it in that Escort, it, it at the oil pump um, on the M25 and threw a rod out the side of the engine. Ouch. Yeah. But at least I could say I've done that. Um, and then I bought a Mondeo automatic, the train of thought being it's an automatic, so it's never been sort of bounced off the limiter. It would have had a relatively easy life. I put that engine in. And then it started knocking almost immediately. <laughs> so it never saw it never saw a track, and I just sold it. I was just so outraged with it that I sold it for a grand. You've made me so angry, you can go. Yeah, but I, I, I sold it for a grand with the suspension and the bucket seats and the wheels, you know, a full set of gas golds on it, and I sold the thing for a grand. I am an idiot, but, you know. Uh, I'm just reminded of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy where uh, Rocket's so angry that he's kicking turf and he says you've made me so angry i'm kicking grass now i think that's what you just did yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that, that was the made me so angry equivalent. that i've just sold this at a massive loss because yeah. i hate you <laughs> yeah just get out of my life you you hateful hateful allergic to engines heap so what have you got at the minute because you have that i know of at least three uh i've got five at the moment five okay see this I've, is where i i've got the sensible daily Yes, um, which, which is, is my fab. my two thousand three five thirty, which um, which I only paid a thousand pound for, which I love. Um, Did you have I to have much done to it? Um, I bought it on the basis of it needed a new centre prop bearing, and uh, the airbags don't work. Okay, it's a it's a control modulator. Now, I've got the part, but because it's a modern BMW, you can't just plug it in. You have to code it in. So I, oh. I will get that done. But, um, but I, bought that off, uh, I bought that off TV's Paul Cowland. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I have to introduce him as that every time now because I was just working on an event with him. And whenever we'd walk past each other, it was, oh, it's TV's Paul Cowland. And he'd go, oh, it's the internet's Chris Pollitt. So that's... Yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, he's, he's, he's great uh, to chat to. I, I went to his place to chat to him. That's a cool. I could have stayed there for ages looking at all the stuff in there. I knew, I knew he'd been on the show. I was, I was tying, I was tying it up. I was, I was linking everything. I know you, you, you're, you're just a I'm, professional. I'm you're a media professional. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, did you get the, did you get the prop bearing done? Uh, no, no, but I had the rear wheels balanced. Okay, and it's fine now. All oh, right, okay. So, so that's that's some expense saved. Yeah, it's um, quite because I was going to ask how much is a prop bearing. Yeah, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> uh, but I've got, I've got that. Because um, I did, I had I had the Saab 93 before that convertible, which mm-hmm. I absolutely adored. I love that car, but the kids have got this incessant, annoying habit of getting bigger. Yes, I have that problem. Yeah, you, you, you can't stop them. Every year they just get bigger, and I've then tried you know, not feeding them. Yeah, I've no, tried that. The, the NSP that doesn't work. And yes, as you say, that serious people with clipboards come and have chats with you. You know, it's it's like you know, oh, daddy, do we have to go in the yellow car? Oh, daddy, I can't feel my legs. You know, it's They're so selfish, aren't they? I know. So I had to get rid of it. Snowflakes is what they are. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get rid of it. So now they now they sat in the BMW and now they moan because it's too hot. It's like, well, we had a convertible. <laughs> it's too hot. The leather's too hot. No, no, we had the Saab. You had your chance. Yes. We could have kept it for another summer, but no. That's a life lesson for your children. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've got that. I've got the, I've got an E thirty nine five two three five series somewhere. 
I was given that. I think it's in Essex. Why, why another one? It's free. Okay, it's fair enough. Yeah, I can, I can empathise with that. Yeah, so I'll get that going at some point. Don't know what I'll do with it, but I'll think of something. Um, I've got, and uh, and this is an exclusive, because um, I've not gone public with this yet, because I can't, I can't show pictures of it. It's, it's an agreement I've got. Um, but I've got a 1960 Daimler Ferret armoured personnel carrier. Wow. You which just I was, won the school run. Yeah, which I was given. Okay. Um, you know some um, amazing people. Yeah, well, it's 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 up in it's up in Huddersfield, um, in in the workshop that we use for for not too grand. And basically, one of the one of the camera guys, his his wife works for, and I, I don't I, I don't mean to be cloak and dagger, but the, the agreement is I can't say, but okay. it belonged to a company. Yeah. Um, and said company has just been bought out by another company. Um, and the company and its original guys had this tank as a promotional vehicle, so it's all sign written up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the company that bought it just looked at it and went, we, we want it gone. Just just get rid of it. Um, so we said we'd have it. Um, but the condition is we can't use it in a fir- in our in our show for not too grand until we've taken all the sign writing off it. Yeah, which fair is enough. which is fair enough. You know, they've yeah. given me a tank. So so are you going to just drive that down the uh, M6 and M5 back home to Bristol at some point? I'd, I'd love to, but I'm uh, part of the deal is I'm I'm sharing it. There's there's me, there's there's Mike who does the internet stuff on the site, and there's also Matt who owns the place where it's being stored. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of sharing it three ways. Okay. So we'll so, we'll do the hard work of getting it running. So trips onto the Yorkshire Dales seem seem in yeah. order. Yeah, just you know drive it through Bradford. Yeah. Like well, that that, only, to be honest, that, that is a sensible well. vehicle to take through Bradford, having been through there recently. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it's the safest form of transport, really. Quite. <laughs> okay, right. So but that was got, unexpected. Um, yeah, we've got that. Um, I've not got it now, but I've just got rid of it. Another, another. Ex- I'm giving you all the exclusive. Another exclusive, which is going to be um, episode one of, of Not Too Grand. Um, I've just sold an NSU RO80 or Row 80. <laughs> um which which was great because it was it was absolutely hanging um but we got it running and driving again which was the objective but you have to wait for the episode for that um i've got a rover 800 vitesse sport um, yes which is the sort of not too grand project 800 car um which is another i know you said you wanted to go back into that later but that's another example of, of just how the site's got bigger you know it's got a project car now which is yeah. which is huge for me um and i've just bought a well i've not the website has i've just bought a maestro um mg maestro but um uh, an x a genuine x mg oc cup car so it's it's a proper race car um and weirdly you know you get people in life that aspire to have Ferraris and Porsches and I've always always wanted ever since I saw them uh, racing at Alton as a kid I've always wanted an MG Maestro race car <laughs> and now I've got one well you have bits of one uh, yeah I've seen the pictures yeah I've, I've got bits of one and I've got I've got most of one in the back of the Beamer because of because I've been buying bits <laughs> um, like a lunatic over the last week ready for we're filming it this weekend awesome well, that's, okay. that's the fleet at the well that, that, I think that gives everybody a, a taste of your, um, let's, let's put this politely, eclectic 
um, choices. Yes, yeah, certainly that. Uh, and <laughs> people you know <laughs> who just go, have this, please. Yeah. Take this away from us. <laughs> So I'd, love, awesome. I'd love to be in a position to say, can people stop giving me cars? But I will never stop saying that until I'm dead. No. If you offer me a free car, I don't care what it is, I'll have it. Yes, I I went through a period where people um, gave me cars as well. And they said, well, you can have it, but he's got this and this. And that'll do. That's fine. Yeah. You Thank just you. become known as the car guy. <laughs> so so to your non-car friends... And I'm sure I'm sure people listening will, will relate to this when you become the car guy because because you once correctly identified a car that was in the background of Heartbeat, you know, you, they just assume that you know everything, and then it's like, well, my mate's got got this. Do you want it? You can have it, and it's like, oh, okay. Mm. And it's but you never get given anything fun apart from the tank. You know, I, I was I was once given a Honda Concerto. Yay! <laughs> I was given a a white uh, Vitara. Which I, turned, a, which I turned into my one? daily... No, no, it wasn't. It's three-door, but I turned it into my daily driver because I didn't have a car at the time. You see, I don't mind a Vitara. Because they're one of those things that if you take them off-road, people will go, ah, and then you take it off-road, and it, it's actually quite good. Well, I, I didn't mind it, A, because I was bored of walking, but also mm. because um, I went into it going, hmm, it's going to be a bit rubbish, this, but it was just a hoot. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. It was completely unsuited for being on the road, so therefore I drove it on the road all the time. Yeah, it but great. it's cars like that that catch you out, and then be, and then be, they be fun. They, they yeah. be fun. I do words. Um, and, you know, they become <laughs> down in Bristol now. He said, "That be fun. That be <laughs> that be fun." We love her. <laughs> it's, it's like the Clio I had recently, the hundred and fifty pound Clio that I needed just to be a car. It was brilliant. You know, you could drive it into things. You could just drive it around with absolute reckless abandon. It was brilliant. <laughs> I, I recommend everybody own a car like that at some point. Never mind your fancy paint job and your big wheels. Just get something that you don't necessarily care about, just just so long as it works. They're just the best cars. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back now to Not Too Grand because, as you say, in the last 12 months or so, mm. the um, the focus has been from you seems to have been on this and you've done some pretty um pretty brave things in such as uh, a um, kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. um and things like this so talk us talk us talk me through what prompted you to i mean you said you were, you came out of hospital um and you need something to focus on so then you did, but what prompted you to go in this direction that you have with it? It's mm, a very good question. Um, I think the site does well, and it will always do well on the basis of of the text, uh, you know, as as something to read. Um, it's always it it's always written in a fun in a fun way. It's it's meant to be. I, I position it as being something that you can read a couple of articles on your lunch break and, and hopefully it'll make you smile. It's not it's not hard facts, it's not boring stroke, it's not break horsepower, it's not if you're gonna go and buy one, make sure you check. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um it's light. It's that's what I wanted it to be. And and it seems to have developed a following on that basis. Um, you know, people like it for what it is. And not not to be crass, but it doesn't make it, or, or it didn't make any money. And and these things take a lot of time. They take a huge yeah. amount of time. It's 
it's you know mike does all the internet stuff and mike hosts it which is which is brilliant of him um and apart from the the occasional contribution from from people like for the your cars bits and so on and so forth everything that is on that site i write and that takes a lot of time um and i just thought you know the the model online and and the the appetite of the of the consumer for for video is so big i thought you know what? we've we've got we've got a bit of a brand here let's have a go Hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, it's nothing ventured, nothing gained. It's 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 answering the if, isn't it? You know, if the Kickstarter thing didn't work, at least at least I, at least if it didn't work, that would say people didn't want to see it. So hmm. fair enough, move on, just carry on, carry on as uh, as before. But that is but, a brave, that is a brave move because everybody would see that. Yeah, it's it it's it's scary and it's still it's still scary and it's still stressful, but it's a nice stress. It's mm. you know stress I've created. Um you know, it's everything from from getting getting the, the rewards sorted out, which which I've finally got there now. because um, it's cause it's just me and I'm trying to do it around a full time job as well. And and then you're trying to fit filming in. And the filming there's too much for me, at least, if if I was going to do it, it had to be well produced. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I wanted. My my biggest inspiration for this, and I pray to God it doesn't look like a carbon copy because I've I've really tried not to make it that make that the case. My biggest inspiration is Roadkill because mm-hmm. um, I, I adore that show because they have they have proved what every TV exec, what every um, commissioning editor says is wrong they've they've proved it can work in that there is room for car shows that don't have an objective that are just dicking about with cars and having some fun with it for the sake of it mm-hmm. no no jeopardy no we've got to do it by this time we've got to do it by that time we've got to get to x destination none of that it's just building old stuff and if it doesn't work there's still an episode and that's that's the sort of bedrock of what I'm setting out to achieve. Yeah, but I think YouTube allows that to to really happen, or yeah. you know, Vimeo as well to the to, for for a lesser extent. Um, but people with a particular interest can now get access to this information, whereas a TV company has to try and please as many, or a TV program has to please as many people as possible mm. to try and get the high ratings, because you know they can't be specific and say this is a person who just likes to see people mucking about with you know mechanically mucking about with a car mm. and see what comes out at the other end you know that's why they have to try and build all the the shouty and jumpy uppy downy stuff and all the rest of it i mean it's a bit like the um project binky mm. um you know that uh, talking to richard on the show it was very clear they were doing this because they wanted to show no stuff can happen um, it will be slower, but there's a proper way to do it, and you don't have to necessarily have people throwing chairs at each other across no, a garage absolutely. to get any interest out of it. And that's and that's what we're going for. You know, the 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 first the first episode that we did, which which again is a is a bit, you know, I'll, I'll spill a bit here, but it's that car gave us everything 
because it didn't want to start, it didn't want to start, it didn't want to start, and then it did, and then it didn't want to drive, and we fought with it, and then it did. So it's got all these sort of peaks and troughs of, of emotion in it, and it's, <laughs> but it, you know, and the car's interesting, and we've we've made a real effort to to pull away from, you know, while we're filming to explain, you know, you know, in the case of the NSU, how does the rotary work? You know, why does it have flat spark plugs? How does the gearbox work? So there's there's a bit of merit in there. It's it's hard to explain. I, I think it's going to come across as quite well polished and quite well thought out. You know, I don't, I don't I've not just bought cars willy nilly and gone. All right, we'll film this. I, mm-hmm. I've had I've had ideas and gone. Actually, no, that's that's not going to work. You know, it's like it's like the maestro. The maestro is going to be an episode, and I think that'll be quite good because. People don't like to admit it, but it's it's quite a quirky car, oh, yeah. and in such a state at the minute. But but Luke, who's who was very kindly holding on to it for me at, at Luden Automotive, you know, he's had a look at it on a ramp, and he said it's all there, it's solid, it doesn't need any welding. He said it's just mechanical, just put it back together. So we've got a bit of a transformation, and then in another episode, we'll do a road trip with that and with the with the eight hundred, and it's it's. It's stressful That's trying the to jeopardy. get the balance. <laughs> That's the yeah. jeopardy. Yeah, Which one's going to last the longest? We just, <laughs> no. I, I Sorry, I'm being cruel. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it, but that's it. That's exactly it. It's. Um, I, I don't want to go too much into into plans because it fundamentally because it may all change. But you know that is no, part I know, of the fun. I know with the road trip side of things, Alan and I have have discussed it, and we've both said, yeah, we would absolutely love to do a road trip but how to make it interesting. Otherwise, it's just two guys driving along, two white middle, middle-aged middle-class men driving along. That, that, that doesn't make it that interesting. It, you, you know, you, much as people think so many people just chuck stuff out there, if you put proper thought into it, you can actually create something that's really interesting and mm. engaging and people will like, particularly if it's niche, like you know, the, the stuff you do. I know I'm, I'm saying this again, you know, doing the not too grand, it's brilliant because you're showing exactly what you're trying to show on the website, which is, look, you can do interesting. There's it's just interesting. fun. I think people thought we were just going to do, like, you know, this is the uh, this is the X car, you can buy this for £2,000 and do do really dry boring reviews, but we're not. It's, we're going to have we're going to have some fun, but do it with not a lot of money. Hmm. Um because you don't you don't need a lot of money, and I'm a firm believer in that. Because I've never had any money, yeah. ever, and and I don't look back at my car history and go, oh, it's a bit embarrassing. I I love every old piece of crap that I've owned, because it's it's all part of a story, and I'd I'd much rather have that story than than you know a succession of cars on PCP that I can't remember. Yeah, and, I, and, and I, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not embarrassed by the cars. I'm I'm angry with some of them. Oh but yeah, I'm not yeah, embarrassed yeah. by them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's taught me some valuable lessons. Yeah, it's you know, it's all it's all learning, and yeah. and, I th- and that's great, and that's what we want to try and put across put across in in the show. And you know, when it when it comes out, it will people will like it or, or they won't. I, I'm not going to know until it comes out. I've tried to make it, I've tried to make it as as easy on the eye as possible. Apart from the bits where I'm in it, I do apologise. Um, <laughs> I've tried to keep the content interesting. You know. It, like I say, production value is really, really important to me. Um, I think, I think you've got to have something. If you're going to do the, if you're going to do the handheld, or, or you know, Ian, Ian is a perfect example. But, but yeah, he is. He's he's the perfect example of of doing 
he does he does things so different and so interesting that he doesn't need to have a full camera crew chasing after him. No, I think that's part of his charm as well. Is that you are getting a very raw there it is, this is this is it. And that's um you know, and that's clearly struck a chord with lots of people because you look at his viewing figures. It's really engaging and I think he's got something great there. And I, I didn't want to be a facsimile of that. And, you know, given the the format that I've, I've gone for, you know, the, the, the one car at a time. And so, like I say, following the, the loosely, the, the roadkill sort of notion, um, it, I don't think it, it would have worked to do it like him. And I, frankly, I didn't want to step on his toes either. No, I mean, because that is another problem um, when you are considering doing these, these sorts of things is to, is to not do something that it, that somebody turns around and goes, well, you've just copied such and such. And you're thinking, well, no, mm. I didn't mean to. I like what they do, or you know, you, you take inspiration. But it's it's finding your balance and your. Oh, and again, this is all going to sound a bit media, uh, but mm. you know, the way that you can do it that sits well with you and you're comfortable with. Therefore, people will be comfortable watching it. Yeah. Yet still, you are taking elements that you really like from other other things. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I, I know, or at least I certainly hope that people won't watch what we make and go, they're just ripping off Roadkill because we're not, we're not ripping them off. No. It's, it is inspired by. It's we, we like their their formula, mm-hmm. if you will, but we can put our own spin on it, which is which is what we're going for. But it, you know, again, it's going to sound media, but it will all come out in the edit, as they say. Yeah. So when when will the first episodes be out in the world? First one is going to be out on Friday, the 29th of June. Okay, I'm writing that um, date down. Because we wanted to, it was going to be the end of May, but I decided, given the full-time job thing as well, um, decided that it would be wise to get a production buffer of a month or two. Yes. Just to give myself a bit of breathing room. I think that's sensible, don't want to overdo it. Yeah, and we've got we've got the next, next few issues, certainly... Um, in a in a plan on a paper form, so it's just a case of making them happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rover, the eight hundred, will be one sort of bringing that back to life, and then some sort of road trip, and then we've got some of the things planned. Um, so it's all it's all coming together. It's uh, you did the Kickstarter, and that mm-hmm. allowed you to start this whole process. And what the Kickstarter was that for one series. The Kickstarter was was literally just to to get it going. So, so the Kickstarter bought your Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, it, it bought it bought kit basically. Okay. It bought kit and it bought time of of people and and it bought the first car, which has subsequently bought the second car. Um, which sounds frivolous. It sounds like a reason other people's wanted to buy cars and on face value, yeah, that's exactly what I've done. But I've also it also put me in a position of being able to look around and find the best car for the best episode that that would be the most entertaining rather than what rather than just looking at what we had and trying to trying to mold something around it and and have it look forced mm-hmm. um, we we wanted something quite we wanted to start with something that that we'd bought for the purpose and so so that money is sort of still within it because that's bought the maestro and and it will it will keep going on, um, but yeah, it's it's time time and equipment to do it all right and to do it properly. Okay, so uh, what are your plans to make this sustainable long term? 
The plan is we're going to get three episodes out, mm-hmm. uh, two or three episodes, I should say. And once they're out and people know what they're about, um, we may look at the Patreon route mm-hmm. and see if people want to go down that route. Um, failing that, we have got sponsors. Um, you know, Adrian Flux now rather brilliantly sponsored the website, which is quite staggering. Um, did you approach they, them or did they? No, they approached me. Oh, that's excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and they they sponsor the site purely on the basis of what the site is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not doing it with a with a view to the video. No, no. That's this is so the, the site, not the not the yeah. filming. Okay. So, so there's that. There's, there's, there's a couple of other people. So we'll see how it go. The beauty of it is, it doesn't cost a great deal to make. Time is is the problem, and and you know, covering days off work and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. In in a perfect world, I would love it to be my job, but we're a long, long way off that. So okay. Well, no, I mean it's it's because it that's that's the thing that struck me is that you you went you went at this and then you went right. I need help to make this happen financially. So mm. let's go and ask. And because Alan and I took ages to, um, we ummed and ahed for ages before we put out our Patreon. Um, uh, and um, just this week, two more people came on board to help support us. And that, that doesn't sound like a large number, but it makes a massive difference to us mm. um, because this is recurring uh, recurring monies in. Um, so yeah, I was, just, I was just very curious how, um, the, that's why I kept saying it's brave because I think it was you sit there and you go but if nobody does anything oh god uh, but then you get to a point where you just go stuff it if they do they do mm. you know uh, that's it at the end of the day and then you then you know <laughs> yeah and that's and that's where we're at. And the other thing as well is you know the, I don't want I don't want people to think that I did the Kickstarter and I've just used that money I've put a lot of my own money into it mm. um, and, and a lot of my a lot of my time but it's it's my hobby. I like doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I love that little. You know, it's it's still t- to me. It always will be, no matter where it goes. It, it always will be my silly little website, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if it can if it can knock out a few episodes, and we say we had a go, then great. If we can knock out a few episodes, and we can get a bit of support and keep doing it, brilliant. Um, I, I, I'm all about just. You know, I want to at least have a go. I want to put it out there and see what people make of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say I did. Mm-hmm. It's, that's that's where we're at. No, that's that's excellent. Uh, you've mentioned it a few times, but you've still got a full time job, which, <laughs> frankly, a lot of us will be amazed at because of the amount of stuff you do produce. So, so what is your full time job? Uh, on my business card, I am a product and technology specialist. Ooh. Mm. Pulls handbag up to chin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is one of them? <laughs> um, I work for a. We're, we are a training consultancy, mm-hmm. um, and this is, you know, going going back to what we said right at the start about working at a dealership and all the bits that go on yeah. um, that people don't always realise. This is this is perhaps another side of it. So, for for every. And, and as you'll know, because you've you've been on them yourself, for every big fancy new car launch that you have that that will be stationed at a hotel for two or three weeks, and they fly journalists in and this, that, and the other, there is an equal, if not bigger, event going on for the industry. Yeah. So for the what we refer to as NMSCs, which is National 
something like that. There's so many acronyms in this job, but it basically means, you know, the boss of, of that particular client in Germany and then in Spain and then in Portugal. Um, so it's all about training the industry for, for these new products. Mm-hmm. So my job is to dissect the information direct from the manufacturer, uh, pull out key messages, completely understand the technology and the build and the specification of the car from bumper to bumper and make sure all that information is carried through right through to the training event. There's one going on now in Brussels um, for for a new car and you know, it's the, the 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 delegates spend two days there and they learn all about the car and they drive it and they're in training sessions which effectively I wrote uh, and the people I work with wrote. You know, if it's product, I wrote it um, and then it was it was looked at and it's gone through a million changes and signed off and other people contribute and it's it's all yeah it's it's quite grown up, quite full on as well. Quite grown up, car. Is a bit of a shock to the system for you? Hugely. <laughs> Hugely, he says, sitting at his desk, looking at his collection of Matchbox cars. <laughs> but no, I, I I mean, that's going to become, I mean, it's already an important job, but um, with the risk of going into one of my hobby horses, uh, thinking of the technology that's coming on, driver assistance stuff, mm. I mean, no pressure there, but I will now know who to blame if, if people are, if... Uh, dealerships are not able to communicate this properly to potential buyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just aim it all at me. <laughs> but but with being serious though, that is that side of things is getting much more complicated and much harder to communicate in a way that a the the, the people who are working in the dealerships will understand to then mm. be able to translate it to someone who's just coming in off the street who wants, just give me a car, please. I like this yeah, car. And, you know, I'm not, not necessarily a petrolhead. I'm not necessarily somebody who's kept up to date with all the technology. Mm. So explain it to me in simple, in simple ways so I know how to use this vehicle. Yeah, and that's and that's what we're trying to do. And then, but then you've got the you've got the constant battle with the client because the client wants you to talk about the engine and and the, the nuts and bolts, and we're sort of sat there going, yeah, but the dealerships aren't going to tell anyone that. So you, you've got to, you've got to give them a story and an experience mm. because they will then tell someone about that. And they will then tell, they will then, they will then sell a car because they're, because they've got something to engage with. It's, it's a delicate balancing act. It's, it's not something I ever realized, realized or, or gave any thought to as, ha- as happening, but yeah, they're, they're, they're big old events. Mm. We, the one we're doing now, it's it's going to churn through. It's on for a month, and it'll churn through fourteen thousand delegates or something ridiculous. Wow. Fourteen hundred delegates, sorry, or something ridiculous going through. You know, two days each and driving cars, and but it's it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to be learning about these cars that nobody knows anything about yet, mm. and and you know everything about them. <laughs> actually, everything, not not nearly, we, but actually everything. Uh, oh, it's you everything. Have to. <laughs> We get we get these guides from the from the manufacturer and and they make a Haynes manual blush. They've, they've got everything in them. Um, just the the figures and numbers running around in my head now. I can't remember the first five years of my life, but I can tell you all about the wheelbase of a certain car and, and the and the you know and the, the way that the new global platform has been engineered. But um, just slightly off topic here. Bearing in mind the increase in technology and things, because you're on the, uh, the the other side of this, the increase in technology that is happening in cars, 
how do you think manufacturers are going to be uh, are going to get this info to to buyers say say someone's bought a car and then it's handover particularly thinking of you know you've seen in the news where people have mistaken how to use um some of the adaptive cruise control stuff mm. uh and that sort of thing as that as that technology uh, increases and improves what do you think uh, manufacturers will need to do to get this info and to show that they've got this info to to people do you think it's going to end up being people have to do like a safety video sit through a safety video or um will it be ar or vr or something like that or what's your opinion on that i i think it, it's got to be it's got to be a combination of things i think one one they do very well already in that manufacturers are making this technology which is cutting edge and amazing and can do this and can do all that they're making it all very very intuitive and and certainly at a, at a top level they're making it very easy to, to to activate and get into and and the cars have got enough screens and head-up displays and warnings that you know everything that's going on um but they they need to do a lot more in on the dealership level because the the reality is on a dealership level certainly in my experience you might get the odd salesman that, that's quite into cars but nine times out of ten they're not mm. they're, they're they're just as happy selling selling mobile phones or a kitchen as they are a car it doesn't it doesn't matter it's just a thing to sell the sales person um, at first yeah and, that, and that's not about, i'm not saying that in a bad way because no, 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 no. i'm not a salesman i i i envy that skill um but but it's there needs to be more it, it, it's that's where it gets lost in translation. It's it's between salesman and customer. Um, I think the the cars there's there's so much legislation and there's so and and more than that there's so much competition between between the brands to make these things accessible and and have this technology be readily usable that the cars themselves aren't hard to operate. I've I've signed. I'm I'm not a new car guy at all. Mm. You know, I like old stuff, but I've signed some of the for the client. I've signed signed some of these new cars that, that no one's ever seen before, and and had a go in it. And within two minutes, just because I've got a bit of common sense about mobile phones and yada yada, you know, within two minutes, I've had my phone connected to it, and I've I've started up, and I've gone through all the menus, and I've had a look at this, that, and the other, because it's all very intuitive. Mm. Um, and I found that on a lot of when when I did do a bit of new car reviewing and, and video stuff couple of years ago i found that was the case with a lot of cars i didn't find any of them were were deliberately difficult to to navigate in terms of the tech so the cars are doing their bit it's it's the it's the the showroom information and i've i've deliberately not said who the client is but that's a lot of feedback that we get from the from the market um managers for different countries is that the feedback they get is that things aren't explained to the customer properly. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, they, they come back in because they can't get something to work and they, they speak to someone. And then when they're shown it, they're almost frustrated because it's, it was so simple just to show them. But because that, because that first step might not have been, might not have been completely obvious. Maybe they've come from a different brand or something like that. So, so, so it wasn't there. It's made it's made the whole process much harder for them, and that's that's a lot of feedback that they get. Is 
it's just it's just the dealership train sort of educating the customer yeah yeah no i mean that that, that is it because i think with um with the changes to legislation uh, and particularly things like people are not supposed to be distracted or the it will be that the people can't be distracted by infotainment systems and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that it, it it's showing that somebody has been trained in it because the, you know, it's only going to get more and more litigious uh, out there. Um, mm. Particularly with it being such a, um, a focus in the minute in the news that, you know, if the, if there is a, what's claimed to be an autonomous vehicle, which isn't, but you know these auto- oh, autonomous car crashes. Duh, 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 duh. Oh. You know it's people going back and going. Well, I was doing the thing it said, and then it's going to go through all that, and it's going to be, it's going to be trickier. But I, I think it's almost getting to the point where that you know somebody will have to sit through a video or and be taken by an instructor to actually press the buttons to go through these things and shown the different situations that different bits will work and when they work more importantly when they won't mm. and if a warning comes up on the dash um you know because i've been able to drive different models they all tell you in a different way slightly mm. different way uh, the system isn't working at the minute and some of them are um, really obvious and some of them are less obvious in the way that they the the dashboard will scream at you about that and yeah. you know it's it's that sort of consistency i think manufacturers need to get together and agree on a format sort of like warning information and how something will work i think they can do that without compromising you know industrial uh, information mm. uh, and but get get an agreed format so then it doesn't matter what car someone dr- jumps into they will know if it comes up with this thing, it means this. Yeah, and, and there's no reason for them not to do that. You know, no. every every car, every car now, if it, you know, you know, you've left your handbrake on because a little handbrake symbol comes on. You know, you know if if it's getting too hot because a little temperature symbol comes on. These things already exist. Yeah. So yeah. why why they should differentiate going forward is is beyond me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, sorry about that, because that was a bit left field for you. Uh, <laughs> but, but as you were, you know, helping to to educate the people who are going to speak to to the punters, it was, I was just curious as to your opinion on that. Uh, I'd like to move on to the quickfire questions, if that's OK. Of course. And I will start with the one I like to start with always, which is what currently excites you about the motoring world? Hmm. Many things, but I like um, this. This comes from the job. Uh, I like. I like what's happening with hybrid stuff. Mm-hmm. I find it really, really interesting, and I like the fact that a lot of it's becoming so much more accessible. Um, and it's it's we're we're at a point now where it's trickling down into into other interesting areas. Like the, there's a company, um, there's a company that will um, make your classic car electric. Oh yeah, I love that. And I think that I think that's great. I think I think we've had this technology now for so long that it's it's now falling into falling into the naughty hands that will put it where where no one else ever has, you know. Yeah. And and that, I think that's that's really interesting to me. And and in terms of the new stuff, um, I mean certainly in terms of the the, the, the client. If you, sorry, I did, I did air quotes then and then forgot I wasn't being filmed. Sorry, right. I knew um, I knew you were doing them because I could tell yeah. by the change in voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's um, you know what they're doing with you know there's, there's so much scaremongering about 
um, about diesel and and internal combustion and, and uh, you know, ban it all and yada, yada, yada. And, but manufacturers are doing incredible, incredible things with, with internal combustion at the minute. And I think everyone's forgetting that because of, of, of this drive for EV. Mm. And what the, what people are missing is when you combine that with with EV and, you know, and you get your hybrids, there's some incredible stuff being made. There's There, there are cars out there that are... That are achieving, you know, thermal efficiency that's that's never been never been seen before on, a, on an internal combustion engine, and it's something we can all have. And and they're getting ridiculous fuel economy, and while you know, but only if they use properly. No and this goes trees. back to the, the the question before: if this can get communicated out properly, so that the the user knows this, the journalists know this, and the dealership people who are selling this stuff know this as well. That all has to happen. And I don't think it has happened as well oh. as it is it should have because you've got the people who I mean you're obviously going to get some people like the ones who buy a a, a fev just because of the tax break and mm. never ever plug it in and only ever drive it round on petrol or or diesel but mainly petrol aren't they these these fevs and you just yeah. think well you know we'll take that back off you then because that's a that's a dodge <laughs> yes it's something I've done for work we've we've just done a, a training session based around Norway because the client wants to get into Norway um, and, and Norway has a huge um, a huge push on on uh, pure EV mm-hmm. and so on and so forth which which is great but the the client has got a uh, sort of hybrid and we were looking at plug-in hybrid and why that doesn't work in Norway. And it's like you say, it's, it's education. Mm-hmm. People buy a plug-in hybrid because they get all excited. Like I'm going to save the penguins and the polar bears and everything will be fine. And then they don't plug it in. So the little engine is hauling around a battery and, a, and an electric generator. Yeah. It's like having your boot full of, full of stuff from Wix. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And you're not doing anyone any good. And it's an education thing. Yeah, absolutely. And And, and if, I mean, when the as the battery technology uh, improves to such an extent, then the, the FEV working on longer ranges makes even more sense to more people. Let alone, you know, you, you've heard me bleat on about it, but you know, EVs make a lot of sense to a lot of people now. They just don't know it because they're looking at what an electric car was ten years ago, fifteen years ago. I mean, Alan and I had conversations with people, and their perception was that it was a car that could only ever do 50 miles on a full battery. And you're saying, no, no, we've, we've moved on since then, don't worry. And there is things you can plug it into now <laughs> where that didn't used yeah. to be. So, you know, and then they go, oh, really? Oh, wow. Uh, and it's it's just communicating that out. But, at the, but I would suggest that part of the problem is that everything's so shouty and everything oh. is either this or that. There's no grey area. There's no, well, actually... It depends. It has to be mm. this or that. And I mean, seen it with some some of the articles written about the iPace that came mm. out, and they're just factually wrong about things like the infrastructure and stuff like that. And you say, well, you, you, why are you printing that? That's wrong. Yeah. It's, it's just people want to shout and 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 people want to have an argument about it all. And it's it's like you say, there's no there's no middle ground, mm. and you know. EV technology, it's great and it's brilliant and it's doing wonderful things and good. It leaves it leaves more petrol for the for the old cars that I want to drive. Brilliant, but 
people forget that the same advancements are happening with internal combustion hmm. because they have to work in harmony. And if you, you know, if you put, if you made a hybrid out of a 1.6 CVH from a 1988 Ford Escort, you're not going to achieve anything. You need, <laughs> you need the engine to be at the top of its game as well. Yeah. And, and people forget in that. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we spend hours talking about this, cause I can, as, a, as anyone yeah. who's listened to me knows, uh, what currently worries you about the merchant world? Um, controversial one, but I think, I think we're, a, I think we're at a point where we are producing cars that are of such a, a such a build quality. I, I don't, I don't think for my kids the generation of of car tinkering at home in the garage. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Certainly not with the cars we are producing now. Well, if some manufacturers get their way, that'll be illegal. Well, this is this is true. You know, it's. It's like that that BMW that I've got, that five series. I love it. It's a great car. You know, it, it makes all the right noises. It's quite fast. It's it's just a nice it's a nice thing to look at. But if that went wrong, I'm I'm reasonably mechanically minded. But if that went wrong, I wouldn't I wouldn't know where to start. It's it's and it's not a car I would ever imagine restoring. You know, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know when my when my daughter grows up that that she won't be able to tinker on a car she will but she would have to buy the same sort of cars that I'm buying now yeah I think I think we're well at a I point mean I, I've where, joked where that's cut off yeah I've joked about it in the past of starting up a, a car dealership called Tinfoil Hat Cars which you know it's the pre um, OBD sockets yeah. because you know that that they are going to be the last ones that we can really fiddle with. Yeah. Um, to any degree, and yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I can see that. That it's, makes a lot of sense. It's like, it's like the airbag thing on that on that BMW in an older car. That it would just be a case of take the old one out, plug the old one in, done. But this one, it's got to be coded into the VIN number and all. And if that's just one little thing, you know, it's it's got to run through the cars, and that's and we're talking about a fifteen-year-old car now. Well, with a lot so, of cars changing the new brand new cars changing the light bulb, if you don't take it do it with a specifically trained mechanic, you invalidate your warranty. Yeah, it's bonkers. I mean, so okay, I the bulbs I... have changed slightly nowadays, but still, the point is, you should be able to change your own bulbs. Well, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my God-given right as a motorist. Yeah, I, I, I've earned taking my knuckles skin off, you know? I... Yeah. <laughs> okay, if I then. If I want to have my car make me bleed, then that's my prerogative. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what has been your favourite car to drive and why was that? Oh. You know, I've looked at these questions because you, you gave me a heads up and I still can't answer this one. I think, as a car person, it's difficult because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an answer now and then in 10 minutes I'll change my mind. Well, that's but why I, I put th- and why, you see. Yeah, <laughs> I think one that I would always jump to would be um, when I had a Morgan Aero Coupe for the weekend. Oh, that does sound nice. Because it's just ludicrous. It looks like a Batmobile. Mm. It was just it was just noisy and bonkers and fast and silly. And it was built because Morgan wanted to build it. Not It wasn't built for a need. It wasn't built for a customer. It, it was built because they wanted to make it. And I love that. Mm. I, love, I love the ludicrous train of thought behind it. 
<laughs> you know, there, there were no focus groups. There was no market research. There was, we've got the aero, let's put a roof on it and make it look completely mental and we'll have and we'll have a go. And they did, and it, it, it was all the better for it. Yeah. And it's just, everybody looks, and it just sounded amazing. It, it, it was... It's it's one of those cliches that those military media types use, but the you got in that thing and it was an event, it was an occasion. Yeah, uh, not just for you, for anyone who saw it. Yeah, and there's not many cars that do that today. No, and I love that. Yeah. It was just just bonkers. Yeah. Okay, then what's been your least favorite car to drive, and why was that? My automobile. <laughs> Fair enough, because of near death. <laughs> yeah, just hateful, hateful thing. Okay. Uh, what car would you like to own next? What car would I like to own next? Um, I am sort of semi-looking for another W126 S-Class Mercedes to replace the uh, the 5 Series. Right. Okay. Because I've, I've had a couple and I've got unfinished business there. All right. And they're still... They're built like tanks, so they're still relatively safe okay. for, for having the family in. And I just, I, I love, I love the whole three box saloon sort of style. I love that, and I just think that 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 one two six S class is just such a handsome, handsome car. Mm. You know, it's got real presence, and you look at that one, and you're not sure, you're not sure if the guy who's driving it's got fifty quid or five million quid. It's <laughs> it's that kind of thing. I mean, you see, it's five quid in my case, but, but nobody will know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's just just a cool thing. So I think that that's 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 something that's definitely on my list. Okay, awesome, awesome. What is your favourite road to drive on? Now I have pondered this, and it's not so much that I have a favourite road. It's just when it's when the roads are right. Okay. When you when you when you when you get that that drive on a Sunday and there's nothing in front of you or when you're coming home from work and that, that bit of road that you really, that you do really like, you know, there's nothing in front of you and you can enjoy it. It's, those are the sort of roads. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very easy to say, you know, the Evo triangle or somewhere up in the Lake district. Yeah. They're great, but it takes something out of it for me. If you've got to make the effort to get there. Okay. I, I can understand if, if it's something yeah. you can, if it's something you can experience sort of organically or randomly or, or whatever, then, I think that's a bit more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I understand that. That's good. good. I like that answer. Um, what has been the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience? Um, cars that park themselves. Okay. I hate it. Why? Because it's a fundamental part of passing your, your driving test. It's, if you can't do it, you shouldn't have a car. <laughs> if you need the car to do something that makes it a car because you can't do it yourself, no, no. I'm all for parking sensors because we, we can't, you know, cars are built in such a way now where the, the, no the rake on the windscreen, <laughs> yeah, the, the rakes on windscreens are so long now and you can't see, it's not like old cars where you can see every corner. I, so I get that and I get, I get cameras, that's fine. Um, I that, even get that's those a convenience, weird... though. That's yeah. that, they are they are not essential, but, but they make but it if... easier for you to live with the car. So that I'm fine with that sort of tech. Yeah. But if you have to press a button to make it steer and make it park itself, you shouldn't have the damn thing. Okay, it's, it's a fundamental part of driving a car. Right. It's it, it's not an aid. It's not a convenience. It's 
it's taking over the role of a driver. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, yeah. so that, that, yeah, I, I feel quite strongly about that. You should say. <laughs> right, uh, penultimate question, and that is, who do you think I should talk to after speaking to you? I think a, a good person to speak to would be um, a chap I know called Andy Harris. I don't know. I don't know if he has. Have you done him yet? No, is that from uh, the Yorkshire Times? Uh, no, a different Andy Harris. Okay, no, I haven't. This is this is Andy Harris of uh, MSS, uh, MSS, and his company does uh, health and safety and stunt supervision and things like that for film and TV. All oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, he he was in the army and then he started in. He, he became a fireman and then started his own firm, and he's done. Um, He's done Top Gear. He does all the health and safety and stunt supervision on Top Gear. He's done Fast and Furious 6, uh, Mission Impossible, two of them. He did Drive. Um, he did Doctor... What was the one with um, Benedict Cumberbund in it? Doctor... Doctor. You mean the TV Strange? Series? Oh, yeah. Doctor um, Zhivago? I don't no, know. yeah, the um, Marvel but, one. Yeah, but he did that. And, and some of the stories that he's got about working on these things and sort of dealing with Tom Cruise, who's sounds brilliantly professional and, and working on Fast and Furious and, and working on Top Gear. It's all really, really interesting stuff. So I think, I think he'd be a great one to talk to. Okay, brilliant. Well, I will add him to the hit list. I can, uh, I can hook you up if you like. Yes, let's, let's, <laughs> let's hook me up. Like and subscribe. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so before before we say we wrap this up and say goodbye, what are the best ways for people to follow what you do and um, maybe even support? Um, if you camp outside my flat, then I'll see you on a daily basis. Okay, fair enough. If you if you only have um, if you only have digital means, um, it's uh, what I'm at. on Twitter. I'm just at the Polit, which is. Uh, uh, a ridiculous surname is P-O-L-L-I-T-T. Um, same on Facebook or just search for N2Grand um, because there is a Twitter account for Not2Grand, but I lost the password for that years ago, so I can't get back into it. <laughs> Fantastic. And, uh, well I've, I've emailed Twitter many, many times, but I don't get anywhere with them because they're useless. Right, well, I'll put all that in the show notes and I'll, obviously I'll put the website... Thank you. Um, and I will put the YouTube channel. Uh, yes, yeah, I forgot about that one. Fairly crucial, Christopher. It's all right. It's all right. We're here to help each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it just leaves me to say uh, thank you so much for coming on. I've had a, a brilliant chat, and uh, I wish you um, tons and tons of success because I think what you're doing is fantastic. And uh, like I said, uh, I thought it was incredibly courageous steps to make and I'm glad they they are working out for you so um, uh, thank you so much for coming on no thank you for having me it's been a pleasure thanks once again to Chris for coming on Rearview and chatting with me I hope you found our conversation as fascinating as I did and if you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on this show please do get in touch if you use the hashtag RearviewPod we'll be guaranteed to see it here in Motoring Podcast Towers to get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions, car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. If you think what we do here on Rearview and the Motoring Podcast is worth a few of your pence, please do support us in our efforts by going to motoringpodcast.com forward slash support and clicking the Patreon button. I would also really appreciate if you could tell others about the show. I think the guests who come on here have great stories and I want as many people as possible to hear them. So until next time, 
That was Chris Pollock. I've been Andrew Clues and safe motoring. <laughs>